0: podcast. I'm Christina. I am your hostess with the mostest. <laughs> um, it is 1130. I've gotten like three hours of sleep each night the past week. Please bear with me because I am exhausted. Anyways, this is the IDFK podcast. It is a podcast all about shit that goes on in your 20s, You know what? But honestly, it's also kind of a show about nothing and about everything. We are covering random-ass topics every week. Enjoy with me because it is literally just a podcast for me to talk on. Um, This week, I'm really excited because we are switching up the gears. I am going to be reading you guys. Drumroll, please. This episode is going to be reading some Reddit horror stories. How This episode is going to be reading some Reddit horror stories that I really enjoyed because I'm totally into scary and weird things. And yeah, like I said, wanted to switch it up this week and not be so motivational because I don't have it in me to be motivational to myself. So I'm not going to force anybody else to listen to me. Anyways, let's get right into this episode and enjoy. Also wanted to make a quick little no, side note, um, if you guys can do me the biggest favor and go onto iTunes and give me a five star rating, please, because shout outs to my ex, <laughs> Tyler decided to give me a one star rating to be a little shit and try and be funny, but it, it brought my rating down. <laughs> We're all good. It's, there's no hate. He just thought it'd be funny and it is really funny. But it's also bringing my rating down. So if you guys could do me that favor and go give me five stars, please. Thanks. Okay. The first story is called I'll Never Go Hunting Again. I'm a bow hunter and I like to still hunt, which is when you dress in full camo and walk through the woods rather than sit in a tree stand. Last October, I was coming down a hill into a marshy area, and it was kind of late and enough so that the side of the mountain was covered in shadows. I live in PA, okay. <laughs> where our mountains are completely covered in trees, and it gets dark fast. When I get to the bottom of the hill, I notice that it was completely silent, no sounds at all, and I felt the hairs on, stand on my arms. But I've been creeped out before in the woods, so it wasn't too big of a deal. I kept on. I've been hunting in this general area before, but I've never went down this hill. I continued creeping through the woods. Mind you, I'm walking very slow, so you can barely hear my footsteps because deer are hard to sneak up on. And then I hear a voice call out to me from behind the thicket of small trees. Help, my name. Come over here. I'm in trouble. Help. And I swear to God it was my brother's voice. But my brother lives in Nevada, so it couldn't be my brother. And it said my name. It only took me a second to realize something wasn't right, and when I did, I ran faster than I ever have in my life. Only my dad knew where I was hunting that day, and the area is so huge no one would have found me there, and he is too old to have played any tricks on me. But something out there knew my name, and it sounded just like my brother. I don't know what the hell that was, but I don't think I'll ever be going back to the woods again. Maybe I'll move to the desert with my brother, where at least I can see everything around me. So these stories go from, like, what I would consider an easy transition into like some scary shit so this next one creeped me out so much it was so good this is called the soul game first i need to apologize to you i'm so sorry i'm coming to you in my time of need please help me please read this to the end that's it that's all i ask i don't know what to do or where to turn please just help me that's all i ask my name is andrea and i'm a single mother. "'I don't tell you this like it's some badge of honor "'and I'm expecting cookies, milk, "'and chocolate-covered snowflakes "'like the most of the others in my social circle would. "'They want your pats on the back in recognition. "'I just want some of your time. "'I see motherhood as a burden. "'Necessary, yes, but still a burden. "'My son's name is Jesse. "'He's 11. "'That's fifth grade for the math haters. "'Jesse started the fifth grade this year, "'and like any other kid would, "'he was a bit excited and a bit nervous.' He was a happy-go-lucky sort of kid, full of life and energy. All of that changed after he met Stan on Tuesday. Stan was a late addition to Jesse's class, a transfer student from another district. Jesse's teacher sat Stan next to Jesse. When I picked Jesse up after school on Tuesday, he told me that Stan was his new best friend. He wasn't acting like himself, though. He was pale and sweaty. I took his temperature, but he wasn't running a fever. And I asked about his day, and all he would tell me was that Stan was his new best friend. "'Stan's my new best friend,' Jesse would say. "'I know. I can't wait to meet him,' I'd say back. "'Mom, Stan is great. You should meet him. "'He's my new best friend. The best in the world.' We must have had the same conversation a thousand times that night. When I tucked Jesse into bed, he looked at me with teary eyes. He put his little hand in front of his face and wiggled his index finger, telling me to come closer. I bent over him, and he put his hands on either side of his mouth. You know, the little kid way of telling a secret.' Well, I turned my head and he whispered something into my ear that chilled me. At the time, I didn't know why it chilled me, but it did. He whispered, You believe me, right, Mom? I sat back up and looked down at him. Believe you about what, honey? Stan, he said. Stan's my best friend. I nodded and took his temperature once more. Again, he wasn't running a fever. I went to bed, but couldn't really sleep that night. On Wednesday, when I pulled up to the school to drop Jesse off, He got this really weird look on his face and told me that he didn't want to go in. ''Are you feeling sick?'' I asked. ''No,'' he said. He was chewing on his bottom lip like crazy. This was something else I'd never seen him do. ''No, I need to go to school.'' He opened the car door and got out. No goodbye. No I love you. Nothing. He trudged up the front steps of the school with his head down. I let off the brake and turned away to drive to work. A little boy was standing right in front of my car. Two more seconds and I would have run him over. The boy was pale, with a mop of blonde hair that was almost white, and bright blue eyes. He knocked on the hood of my car twice, waved once, and walked up to the stairs of school. When I picked Jesse up after school on Wednesday, he looked a lot better. He was a tiny bit paler than normal, but he seemed happy. He told me all about his day. He told me about dinosaurs and music and math, and then he told me about recess. And then after math period, we had recess, Mom, you'll never guess what I did today. "'Tell me,' I said, smiling to myself as I was driving. "'I'm thinking tag, football, keep away, "'all the things I remember boys doing at recess "'when I was that age. "'Something benign, something normal. "'I joined a church.' "'I frowned at this. "'A church? At recess?' "'Jesse nodded. "'The Church of Stan.' "'I thought that it must be some sort of a new makeup game "'that the kids were playing. "'What's the Church of Stan?' I asked.' "'It's Stan's church, Mom,' Jesse laughed like I was the silliest person in the world for asking that question. "'What do you guys do, though?' "'You know, as members,' I asked. "'Lots of stuff. "'Today, though, we just listened to Stan talk. "'He was saying some funny words, and I got sleepy and dozed off. "'A bunch of us did.'" I just burped a little bit. <laughs> "'A bunch of us did.'" "'I pulled into the driveway at home, and we got out. "'Was that it?' I asked. "'Things sounded weird for sure, but the kids didn't seem to be doing anything wrong.'" Stan gave us flyers, too. Jesse pulled out a crinkled-up piece of paper and handed it to me. It was a piece of manila paper with three words written in black marker. Church of Stan. Again, weird, but nothing wrong. I just thought the boys were playing make-believe. I was wrong. When I picked Jesse up after school today, I could tell that something was very wrong with my little boy. He looked panicked and scared. "'What's going on, honey?' I asked him, reaching out to feel his forehead. "'No fever.' "'We played the soul game today,' he said." Jesse's head was on a swivel. He couldn't sit still. He kept looking all around as we headed home. "'The soul game?' I asked. Jesse just nodded and kept trying to look everywhere at once. Beads of sweat dotted his upper lip. "'What's the soul game?' I asked. Jesse shook his head no and said nothing. "'Jesse, what's the soul game?' I asked. I told him I didn't want to, but he said he wouldn't be my friend anymore if I didn't play. "'Who wouldn't be your friend? Where were the teachers?' Jesse started breathing harder, but still answered. "'It happened in the church,' he said. Then he whispered, "'Teachers aren't allowed in the church.' "'The church of Stan?' I asked. Jesse nodded, and tears slipped down his cheek. "'What's the soul game, Jesse? I'm your mother. You tell me right now, and I'll take care of everything,' I said. "'I can't tell you, Mom. I can't. The rules are bad. They're so bad. What about Stan?' I asked. "'Will Stan tell me the rules?' "'No,' Jesse screamed, and this scared me half to death. "'Don't ask him the rules. Please don't, Mom. Please.' I pulled into the driveway, scared and confused. Promise me, Mom. Promise me, promise me, promise me, promise me. Jesse was bawling now, terrified. I took him into my arms and I rocked him. I hadn't rocked him like that since he was in kindergarten. He fell asleep in my arms and I carried him inside. I took him straight to his room and got him ready for bed. He just needs sleep, I kept telling myself. All he needs is sleep. I put him to bed and ate dinner alone. I checked up on him around nine when I went to bed. He seemed to be sleeping well, so I decided to go to sleep. I woke up to him screaming at the top of his lungs 18 minutes after midnight last night. I ran to his room, but he wasn't in bed. I turned on the light, and Jesse came flying out of the closet like something was chasing him. He latched onto my leg and kept screaming. I tried to calm him down and ask what was wrong at the same time. He wasn't making any sense. He kept screaming about the soul game. He was impossible. I kept asking what that was, and he wouldn't tell me. I tried to put him back to bed, but he would have none of it. Finally, I just took him to my room, and he slept in my bed. Jesse fell right asleep. I was laying on my side watching him, stroking his hair, when his eyes popped open and stared right into mine. I'll tell you the rules after school tomorrow, lady, he said. Then he closed his eyes. What was going on with my kid? In the darkness, I started. I stared at the ceiling for a long time before rolling over on my side and staring into the bathroom. You know when you're on the edge of sleep, sometimes your leg will kick or jerk, and jerk you awake, or you'll imagine you're falling or that you've just tripped over something and get jerked awake. That happened to me all last night, only I kept being ripped from sleep by seeing something in the doorway to the bathroom. Every time my eyes would start to s- slip shut, I'd see the dark outline of some- something large in the doorway and jerk awake. Of course, nothing would be there, and I would start falling asleep again. The outline would appear in the doorway once more, but it would be closer to me, like it had taken a baby step. Over and over, this happened until morning. This morning on the way to school, Jesse seemed out of it, lethargic. I felt the same way. I was not i was even more exhausted. I thought of asking Jesse about what he'd said right before he fell asleep, but I couldn't. I was afraid it would set him into hysterics again, so I left it alone. I drove him to school and he didn't say a word the whole time. He was acting like a robot, List, listless, unemotional. I got a call shortly after dropping him off to come pick him back up. He had vomited in class. When I picked him up, he was the same. I asked him several questions, but he only gave me grunts in response. The plan at home was to get him changed out of his dirty clothes and then take him to the doctor. He didn't say anything until we pulled into the driveway. Can Stan come over today? He asked. He stared out the windshield at the garage door. But you're not feeling well, honey. Do you really want him to come over? I asked. I wanted to meet this kid but it didn't sound like Jesse wanted him over. I, however, wanted to get to the bottom of things. Yes, Jesse said. Okay, I said, do you have his parents' number? He already asked his parents and they said it was okay. Well, we have to wait until he's out of class and I'd like to talk to his parents. Okay. Jesse got out of the car and we walked into the house. You have their number? I asked as I shut the door. No, he said. I started to ask him how I was supposed to call them if I didn't have their number, but someone knocked on the door. I was still standing right next to it. I opened the door, and standing on my front step was a pale little boy with blue eyes and the mop of white blonde hair that I had almost run over on Wednesday. A little girl stood next to him, with the same complexion. "'Yes?' I asked. "'Hi, Driz,' the little boy said. "'Is Jesse home?' The little boy standing on my front porch shouldn't have known that name. It was my nickname from college, created on a drunken night amongst my girlfriends, shortened from Drizzy. No, I said. That's fine, the little girl said. My name is Devin, and you already know my brother's name. Stan, I said. The little girl covered her mouth and giggled. Stan smiled and shrugged. It's really quite simple. Rule one, don't walk past mirrors in the dark. Rule two, don't leave any doors open when you go to bed tonight. Ask your son what rule three is, and remember, a creak means you're falling behind. A rustle means you've almost lost. When the lights go down, hopefully you won't see the dark shadow standing in the corner of the room. Hopefully you won't hear it breathing as your eyes shut and you begin to drop, drift off. And if you hear a bang, well, hopefully you never hear a bang. Stan turned and walked away with his sister. I stared after them both and shook my head. I wouldn't play their stupid game. I walked into the house and found Jesse sitting in the kitchen table, crying. ''What's wrong?'' I asked. ''I heard a bang,'' he whispered. My mouth went dry. ''When does the game end?'' I asked. ''It doesn't,'' he whispered. ''It never ends.'' My heart started beating faster. ''What's the third rule, Jesse?'' His face fell, and he sucked in a deep breath. ''Rule three, knowing all the rules makes you a player.'' My stomach dropped. ''What happens if you lose?'' ''When it's dark, you'll hear them coming.'' ''They like to let you know when they're getting close.'' ''Who?'' I asked. Stan and Devon, Jesse said. They'll reach out through the mirrors or open doorways and drag you through. How do you win, I asked. You win if you tell more people the rules to the soul game than the person that told you does. Like I said, I'm so sorry, but thanks for helping, really. I'm going to enjoy my newfound freedom, and I hope that you enjoy your night. Give Stan and Devon my best. <gasps> oh, That one... <laughs> That one creeped me out so much when I first read it because I was home alone and it was like an hour ago. So it was like 10 o'clock at night and I just kept looking behind me the whole time. It just creeped me out. Anyways, so let's move on to the next one. I actually only read a couple paragraphs into this one and I thought it was good and I thought I should just read it. So this is my first time actually reading it fully through. And yeah, it's called... She found her way into my home. Please, I don't know what to do. I've tried to tell my wife about this, but she's a science teacher and thinks that, and thanks to my history of practical jokes, she thinks I'm just kidding. There is something stalking me. I don't know what it wants, but almost every night since I started seeing it, it has terrorized me. It doesn't touch me. It doesn't communicate in any sort of way. It just fills me with horror. If what I seem if what I seem to ramble, please forgive me. I haven't slept in several days. We live in the second floor of a duplex with stairs downstairs, the, with stairs down the back of the house to the basement where the laundry machines are. There's a door at the bottom of the stairs before the door to the basement that look, looks out onto our back porch and into the backyard. Six days ago, I was going down to the basement to bring up some laundry and I glanced out the door as I passed. There was a figure standing at the far edge of our yard. Her back was to me, and she was just standing there. "'looking into the woods beyond our yard. "'She was dressed in nothing but a light gown. "'It had a lot of flowing material coming off of it "'that was whipping around the air slowly. "'The whole scene creeped me out instantly, "'but I thought she might be a friend "'of our downstairs neighbor, so I continued to the basement. "'When I came back up, she wasn't there. "'The next night, I went down again, "'and as I passed the back door, I looked outside. "'The woman was back. "'She was exactly like she was the night before, "'facing away, not moving.' The hair on my arms and neck stood up straight when I saw her. I was even more creeped out when I realized she was in the same clothes as the night before. That's when I did something I shouldn't have. I opened the back door. Leaning out, I called to her to see if she was okay. She didn't respond. She didn't make any sort of indication that she had heard me. It was freezing cold, so I shut the door and I locked it. Coming back upstairs afterwards, I looked out the window and she was gone again. Later that same night, I was in the bedroom getting ready to go to sleep. Everything was dark because my wife had gone to bed before me. Our bedroom looks over to the backyard and my side of the bed faces the windows, so I have to go past them to get in. As I was doing so, I suddenly got the same deep dread, in my f- dread feeling in my stomach that I had gotten the first time I saw the figure in the backyard. Something compelled me to hesitate by the windows. My hands were shaking as I pulled the curtain back a bit and peeked through the shades into the backyard. It was a clear night, so the background, background, so the backyard wasn't shrouded in darkness. The woman was standing in the middle of the backyard, no longer at the edge of the woods, facing the house with her head tilted up to look directly into the window I was peeking from. I jerked away, instantly afraid that she had seen me. Her face was covered in shadow and hair, but I saw her chin and nose, a sharp nose and a thin chin, gray. Her skin looks gray, I think. Her hair is black and long. I was so scared I jumped into bed and covered myself with the covers. The next day, I played outside in the snow with my four-year-old daughter. She wanted me to pull her on the sled in the backyard, but just the thought of going back there made me scared again, so I talked her into digging holes in the snow in the front yard. That night, things went bad from bad to worse. Somehow, I had managed to forget about the woman. Then, in the middle of the night, my daughter started crying. Our bedroom is just across the hall from hers. I thought she needed to use the bathroom or just was having a bad dream, so I went into her room to see if she was okay. She was uncovered, curled into a ball on her mattress. I pulled her covers over, and that's when she whispered to me, Daddy, there's someone in the closet. Instant goosebumps. I turned my head slowly towards the closet door at the end of her bed. Normally, the closet is shut, but now it was open. The woman was standing in my daughter's closet, not even when it was clear that I saw her did she move... "'or make a sound, just stood there "'and looked at me through the cracked open door. "'My blood ran cold when I saw her. "'Get up,' I told my daughter. "'Get in my arms, quickly, quickly!' "'She scrambled up and hugged me tightly, "'and I walked backward out of the room, "'watching the closet the entire time. "'In my mind, I imagined her throwing the closet door open "'and running at us, arms outstretched. "'I just hugged my daughter and walked backward into my room. "'The woman never appeared in the doorway. "'I heard no movement from my daughter's room.' I tucked her into my bed and stood there watching the doorway to to her bedroom. I did not go back in. I just stood there and watched and listened. When I finally got the courage to climb, climb into bed, I didn't sleep. Sunday, I told my wife everything. I told her about the first time I saw this woman. I told her about calling out to her and seeing her from the window. I told her that she had appeared in our daughter's closet. She told me it wasn't funny, that it was my fault for our daughter's bad dreams and that I shouldn't encourage her to be afraid of her closet. Sunday night, my daughter called to me from her room again. Call me a coward, but I couldn't go back into that room. I called her quietly to come into our bed, but she cried and said she was scared. I wanted to go to get her, but I was scared too. I told her to pull up her blankets and cover herself. Just cover yourself, honey. You'll be okay. I prayed that it was true. I laid there, peeking over the sleeping form of my wife and out into the hallway at the closed door of my daughter's room and just kept praying. I heard her cry a while longer. Then she went quiet, and I hoped that she was asleep. Monday, I piled, in front of, I piled toys in front of the door to her closet. By that time, there was no doubt in my mind that there was some sort of ghost or apparition. But I piled things in front of the closet anyways, like a pile of toys could stop a ghost. Monday night, my daughter did not cry, but I didn't sleep. I lay there, looking at the ceiling tense. Around 2am, I heard her bedroom door creak open and I knew something was wrong. She must be scared, I thought, so I called her like before. "'Just come to me and you can sleep in our bed, sweetie.' But she didn't come. I peeked over my wife. The woman was standing there in the doorway to my daughter's room. Her arms hung at her sides. Her shoulders slouched down. Her gown was dirty, like it hadn't been washed in years, and hung off her like torn rags. I wasn't breathing. I wasn't blinking. I just looked at her, and she looked at me. I thought, this is it. I'm gonna die. She never moved, never made a sound. I whispered, please go away. Please leave me alone. Please, I'm sorry.' I couldn't look away. If I look away, she'll get closer. I was sure of it. If I close my eyes, when I open them, she'll be standing over me, looking at me. At some point, she was gone. It's like I fell asleep with my eyes open. I don't remember her disappearing, just that I was looking at the doorway and she wasn't there anymore. Last night, I lay awake, waiting. I asked my wife to shut our bedroom door because the nightlight in the hallway was keeping me awake. It was stupid. I don't know what I was thinking. Like clockwork, I heard my daughter's bedroom door creak open creak open. I held my breath, then I heard the floorboards in the hallway creaking and I started shaking uncontrollably. I heard our bedroom door open and I knew she was standing there in the doorway, not moving, just looking at me. I didn't look. I couldn't. I did what I had to, I did what had I told my daughter to do and pulled the covers over my head. I'm a complete mess, a zombie at work. I don't want to go home anymore. I think I see the woman in other places. A glance while driving, and I think she's sitting in the passenger seat of the truck behind me, or standing down the street as I drive off. Just sitting here at my desk, someone passes by me, and I jump. I'm afraid that if I turn around, she'll be there, waiting for me to look at her. And what if I saw her face? I don't want to see it. I don't want to see her anymore, but I don't know what to do. The only hope I have is that for unrelated reasons, my wife is talking about moving, but our lease isn't up until May. I don't know if I can hold out that long. All right. So, yeah. Those were freaking creepy. I don't know. That second one, like, got me. Cult stuff always scares the shit out of me because it's, like, more realistic. Paranormal stuff scares me, too. But, like, I don't know, man. Cult shit just it gets me. It gets me every time. Anyways, this was kind of quick... <laughs> at least it feels a little quick on my end. I'm kind of exhausted, but I really hope you guys enjoyed these scary stories with me. I am totally looking forward to do more, to do, to doing more like scary story segments and like true crime segments and just different things, um, other than the advice and like learning about, I don't know, dude, (laughs) I'm really tired. Anyways, Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Please go leave me five stars on whatever you listen to me on. Specifically, iTunes would help a ton. And I will see you guys next week.